So if you tuned in to Rand Fishkin's episode, then you heard us preach loud and proud how much we love reaching out to more niche publications. And our guest today is no exception. Who is Liz Stevens? Well, she's a content producer for Think, Clink, and Best Money Moves. She's written for the Illinois Women's Press Association, as well as some medium publications like P.S. I Love You, The Startup, and Invisible Illness. She also let us know in advance that she's been getting a little distracted by her two kitty cats while working from home during COVID. And uh, Liz, I have to tell you that I can relate because I also have two cats. So it's kind of fun to relate. Welcome to the show, Liz. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. Yeah, of course. And joining me is my co-host, Britt, who does not have two cats, but she has a couple of dogs. So Britt, do you want to tell Liz what pets you have? Sure. I have two dogs and a bearded dragon who's in the office with me. I kick out the dogs and the bearded dragon can be really distracting, but he's being good today so far. That's great. Yeah, so Daryl makes an appearance in the Rand Fishkin episode. So if anybody hasn't listened to that episode, you can meet Daryl there. Anyway, I'm really excited for this episode because I love the space that you work in, Liz. So for the listeners who are not familiar with what Think, Glink, and Best Money Moves is, could you give a quick primer on what the outlets cover and what you like to focus on in your writing? Yeah, absolutely. So Think, Glink is a publishing company that is owned by Elise Glink, who is a renowned real estate journalist. She's been uh, writing about real estate for decades. Uh, She had a radio show in Atlanta and she still does a post for the uh, a column for the Washington Post each week answering questions from anyone around the country who needs insight to real estate or mortgage stuff. So for me, since I have a little bit less technical knowledge, I like to focus on more trends. So um, where people are migrating to home design, mortgage, refinancing, all that sorts of stuff pretty much. And then Best Money Moves is an offshoot that she started. It is a financial wellness platform that is marketed to employers to help employees because in her work, she started getting a lot of questions about financial stress and people who didn't really know things about how to get loans and do these things. So while she has her books and her website, she also thought it would be helpful to add this tool. So for them, I write a lot of things that are about employee wellness, employee benefits, open enrollment, all the things that are going on in the benefit space. So those are the two things that I write for them. And then personally, I enjoy writing blogs and things about all sorts of random issues. That is really cool. So you basically kind of cover two different industries that are kind of very different from each other. Is it hard for you to like, how do you even stay organized? Like, do you do you receive pitches? I guess like for your think money or for your money moves email, like you have two separate email addresses that you receive pitches from. I'm assuming. No, actually, I do funnel everything through my um, ThinkLink email. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah. And (laughs) what's interesting, too, is I do have some PR people, too, that pitch for both different brands. So that can be interesting, too. (laughs) How do you stay organized? Or do you just kind of like you're just your brain works really awesomely and you don't have to (laughs) do anything special? Admittedly, at first, it was very disorganized and a lot of things <laughs> cracks. That's absolutely how it went for the first few months. But now I have a pretty solid process where um, I have some backup documents that I keep. If I can't actually fit a story into the editorial calendar that I'm working with currently, I have 
documents for both ThinkLink and BMM that I load sorted by you no know, dozen or so different topics for each of them. And then I load any research that I was unable to feature. So I always have some, a bank to pull from. I can attest to this because I think sometime probably last year I had pitched you a migration study and I believe you emailed me and said, this is great. I'll save it for the future. And I get that a lot. So I'm like, kind of like, okay, whatever, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. And then no joke. I think you featured it in an article like four months later. So that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You have a good memory. <laughs> yeah. So you've got, you've got, I love that. I love it when journalists have like spreadsheets and I don't know. <laughs> it makes our lives easier too. Cause then it feels like when we get the answer of yes, but not yet, it's like actually true. Like you, you'll remember us. So that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So you shared with us a story that stemmed from a PR pitch. Do you want to talk about what that story is and basically how it was pitched to you? Yeah, absolutely. So the story I wanted to talk to you was, I think it's called like top 10 or so bathroom trends for 2020. Yep. Um, and it's a piece that I did late last year. It came from an email that was from a publicist that collectively like our brand has worked with before but I didn't have a personal relationship with I was just familiar with the name and the company but the subject line was what really hooked me it was it said early preview how's 2019 bathroom trends or something like that and um, then the content of the email was very short maybe a hundred words max and so it started with the dates that the results would be made public then it hinted to what it would be trending and colors accents all that sorts of stuff and then it said that if I agreed to the embargo, I could get a preview of the results that they'd be making public, images to the company, the findings, and an offer to set up an interview with The Economist. It was really just a home run for me. It's the combination of three things that I'm always looking for, which is intrigue, some sort of curiosity pull, um, exclusivity. So even though I wouldn't technically be the only person covering it, I would be one of the few people who would get to see it several days before it went public. And then Ease, they had everything laid out right there for me. I had the results, well, an invitation to the results. I had images and I had a link into an interview if I wanted to do that with the story as well. What other words do you see people or PRs or anyone who pitches you using to describe something like this? Like you mentioned in this instance, preview, early preview was the phrase. Do you see any other commonly used phrases or words? Um, yes, embargoed is used pretty frequently. So um, it'll be like in the in the uh, subject line, it'll be something like embargoed report going public date. And then um, a brief two or three words about what the topic is. And that always just drives my attention. Yeah, previews, embargoes, first look, those types of things are always really got my attention. Cool. Always looking for other ways to phrase it. So that's good to know. Thank you. That was a great question. And yeah, I kind of get stuck on the word exclusive because we talked about it, Brit. It can mean different things to different people. Um, yeah. Especially depending on the outlet. For sure. So for you, like, really, you just want to see the information before it's totally irrelevant. You want to see it before it launches and you want to be one of the first to cover it. You don't have to necessarily be the very first person, but you want to be in the know. That way you're yeah up to date and actually sharing something new with your readers. Yeah. So I guess in that sense, yeah, exclusivity is the wrong word. I guess it would be more early, just in early doing. Like a lot of the things that happen is like what you said. Sometimes by the time that I get the research, it's so far past when it happened that yeah. it's not really relevant anymore. And then it's, you know, it ends up being difficult. So anything where I get it just as it's coming out or right ahead of it's coming out is perfect. 
That's great. And um, mm-hmm. I've heard of people using the, so a lot of PRs, they like to save exclusive and like early previews for more like top tier outlets and things. But it sounds like it's just as important, if not more important, to also communicate this with more niche publications, because you guys are kind of on the forefront of covering this really like niche topic. So you need to also be one of the first to report on it. You don't want leftovers. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's cool. So how long was the pitch? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, the actual the preview that came after that, I guess, would be yeah, um, maybe like four to six hundred words. Yeah, okay. it included like, let's see, it, it had different snippets of different segments in the report. So like um, spending on home improvement, home improvement trends, bathroom trends, of course, bathroom spending, bathroom trends. And then it also included some quotes from their economists. So even if I didn't want to do an interview, I already still had some quotes from someone on their team. Do you usually conduct phone interviews and things or do you prefer to, like I see you have quotes here. Um, yeah. That one I did do an interview with, but I don't normally. It's not something that's a typical part of my process. But if it's something where I feel really a space where I feel very comfortable with, which, you know, bathroom trends is pretty, I don't know, digestible. So I felt comfortable enough to do an interview with an expert at that point. That's cool. But for the most part, I don't. I normally just um, if I if I'm using quotes, it's normally because it was with the press release or with the pitch I was given. Um, but you do appreciate, I'm assuming, PRs at least offering that so that you can add more inside knowledge to your story, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's, I guess, even so, if it's a tougher topic, like, or if it's something where there's not a ton of research, but it's an interesting subject, having access to someone who is an expert in that field is really helpful in building out a full story if there's not enough to hinge on the research alone. Do you ever receive pitches that just introduce a industry expert and do you welcome stuff like that or do you prefer more research-based pitches with data trends and things like that? I do prefer more research-based pitches. I have previously had some that were more expert-based pitches and I have worked through with them and it it ended up being a great story but I found that it was a lot harder because there's a lot Mm -hmm. more back and forth that goes place. Whereas if it's just research and a couple of quotes, like that's it, I have everything that I need. Um, So it it can be, it can be a rewarding experience, but I do feel like it is a longer process to get through. Yeah. And you need something, you need like a relationship that makes your job easier. And if you have to go back and forth and it takes a lot of time to write a piece versus like somebody giving you the research that you can use as the backbone and also some quotes or an email interview, then I'm assuming that just saves you a lot of time, right? Yes, absolutely. That's cool. Britt, do you have any other questions about the pitch itself? No. So um, just one, I guess, follow-up question. So the first pitch or the first part of this email was a quick summary, and then you, uh, you were interested and wanted more information. And then the second pitch was that 300, or I forget how many words you mentioned, 400 yeah. to 600 word summary? Or? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. absolutely, yeah. Cool, that's good to know. I love that. I love hearing creative strategies that I haven't tried that work, because it just gives us more leverage to try new things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a really nice example, Liz. So moving on, 
I noticed that your job title is content producer. What does that mean exactly? And what does your role entail? So as a content producer, I take ownership of most of the content that goes up on either ThinkLink or Best Money Moves. So that means that I have a heavy hand in uh, content planning. So deciding what topics we're going to feature and researching those topics and figuring out data that relates to them and is relevant writing the pieces themselves and then also like um of course this developing relationships with prs and making sure that we have good sources coming to us with new information to take sort of the ease out of that part of that job for me and then it's also just because think link has been around for so long i think some of our posts go back to like 2004 wow a lot of those have racked up some great seo but the information is outdated so another part of my big job would be to be going back and updating things that rank really well on seo but the content isn't as fresh oh my gosh i'm glad i asked you this question i had a feeling producer sounded very loaded and it sounds like you wear like five different hats yeah. <laughs> that's really cool so seo is important do you does seo come in keyword search come into play when you are writing new pieces or is it more so seeing what sticks and I don't know that might be too specific but I guess no, framing no. it from how a PR question. okay cool yeah no I see SEO normally comes after it's it's weird it's a part of content planning and then it's also a part of storytelling so yeah. in the content planning we might like identify a couple keywords that we're interested in but then when it gets to picking titles and picking which keywords we go with um, I really look at what's trending currently and then what people are actually searching on Google. So looking at what the what the rich snippets are for that keyword or what the related searches are, what Google autocompletes for it. And then based on that research, we then start building the, um, the story title and the subheadings and the content around that. Mm, that's fascinating. Do you ever receive pitches that are... They basically have some examples of how this could, you know, how this idea speaks to SEO, if it's trending on Google Trends. Uh, you know, that's really interesting. I've actually, thus far, no one's really mentioned that in, um, in any pitches. And I do think <laughs> it is something that would catch my eye, maybe. I don't know. That's brilliant, uh, <laughs> you might get a lot of pitches <laughs> that are kind of yeah. framed like that now. Sorry about that. But well, no, if it's good, yeah, if it's good, it's good. That's good. That takes out plenty of my work. You know, if somebody's already figured out, like, this is a keyword that's really hot in your industry right now, and I have research that directly relates to that, right. I think it's a very compelling reason to then feature that research. Cool. Britt, you are brilliant. Oh, it's <laughs> years of SEO being in an SEO agency. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Liz, uh, Britt and I met at our first jobs and yeah, we, well, it wasn't Britt's first job, but my first job um, and we met at an SEO agency. So we actually, we have an interesting background with PR in that we have always done media relations, but under the guise of um, like SEO goals, I guess. And, you know, so we kind of understand content, which is kind of fun. Yeah. It's kind of different. That's so, so cool. So you get to decide what gets featured on the website. You don't necessarily, it's not like a journalist who's working underneath like an assignment editor and they're waiting for their assignments to come in or they can pitch story ideas. You literally get to produce what's on the website. And that's essentially yeah. what makes you the content producer. Very cool. Yes. For the most part, I will say, um, a lot of it is with the assistance of Elise Glink. You know, she makes sense, yeah. every single thing that I do. And then 
um, she also has a higher insight into things too. So she'll get reports and studies that I don't have access to. So then she'll forward those to me and she drives it. But when that isn't the case, a lot of it is um, self-driven, which is awesome. And then do you guys accept, well, I hate the word guest post, but do you guys accept, I guess, um, like guest bylines or anything like that? Or is everything done in-house? Everything is done in-house currently. I do know that there was a time where we did feature guest posts on ThinkLink. As obviously, like I said, when I go back through and find it, we do have guest yeah. posts there. But um, since I've been with the company in mid-2018, we've not been accepting any guest um, guest stories. Ugh, it's hard because I'm sure like when you do... You get a lot of like spammy pitches and stuff. Yes. <laughs> I bet you still get pitches for <laughs> guest posts, even though oh. it, yeah, <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it, sometimes I, it's hard for me to project it because I do feel like occasionally it can be really compelling, but um, it's just not something that they're interested in at this time. So I, that's verbatim what my response is. Thanks for reaching out, but that's just not something for me. Yeah. Time. <laughs> Do you ever get emails that ask, like they mention an old story that's on ThinkLink and then say, could you link to us in this existing article? Oh, no. Um, But you know what? That's oh, you're lucky. Because <laughs> we have had people that will find broken links in old stories and then pitch to us how we should put their link in where the broken link is. Okay. So you have gotten some. Yeah. How do you take those? The last few that we had, I went and found the updated link for the original one. We did not use the link that we were sent, but okay. um, yeah, that's Ugh. it's rough. It is rough. I I feel for people who have to are asked to do that. That's not necessarily like on the PR side of things, but if you're like I don't know, an outreacher, quote unquote, in an SEO background, that might be something that a boss might ask them to do. But we don't necessarily stand behind that because a lot of people do it and it just looks like spam, especially with like people like you like to work with PRs and people that are actually giving them fresh ideas that are new. So it's mm -hmm. always interesting to hear. Yeah, exactly. So do you receive a lot of pitches on any given day or week? Um, I would say in any week I would get somewhere between four to five pitches, maybe on a heavy week, like maybe 10. Oh, um, that's not bad. That a very busy week. Yeah. And do you, I assume, well, I shouldn't assume, but do you read every single email? So I do, but I will qualify eventually. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes it'll take me a week or two to get around to it. Um, but I do read them all and I do make an intention to reply to them all, but I am sure there are a few that have slipped through the cracks. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And you're busy. Like, do you have like a quota of like articles you have to reach or is it kind of like, you just sound very busy. <laughs> No, no, um, it's, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, time management, um, between yeah. I do the two brands and we do a user engagement, um, email for best money moves. So I'm usually writing any, like about four or five things a week, which isn't really too much, but I am also, um, I don't just do like the writing side of it too. I, I track all of our, um, performance on analytics and I do reports in the um, email service that we use. And so a lot of it is sort of that organizational side of things rather than the actual writing. I would say actually writing, I maybe spend 10 hours a week doing it and then yeah, the rest all the managing stuff. all the writing that's out there. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Do you have any questions, Britt? Yeah, we haven't asked this one in a while. Do you check your spam folder? Yes. <laughs> Love that question. Uh, yeah. Not unless I'm missing something. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Unless there's an indication that something might be in there. I don't normally touch it. Yeah. I don't either. I Sometimes I remember to, but yeah, we, we haven't asked that question in a while. So just curious. Yeah. Sometimes we're always, I'm always hypersensitive about whether or not my pitch has gone to someone's spam filter. <laughs> um, one of the tools that I just started using is Mixmax. And Jackie actually was the one that told me about it and kept urging me to try it out. And I love it. It just tells you whether or not someone has opened your email. I'm not sure. I think the person receiving the email can see that we're using it, though. So that's the one thing that kind of like scares me about it. I don't want people to know that I'm tracking the emails that I'm sending. (laughs) Yeah, that might be. Is that creepy to you, Liz? (laughs) No, I think it makes a lot of sense, um, but it does, sometimes the box does pop up, like, this person has requested a red receipt, and that does creep me out a little bit. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, it is helpful, you're right, because then you can kind of see how to even follow up, because, like, you'll notice, like, trends where if you're pitching something, somebody might open the email, like, 50 times, and then you can kind of, it's safe to assume they're probably interested, or they're at least talking about it with someone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of your inbox... Are there any pet peeves that you have around what you've seen PRs doing or anything you wish PRs would stop because it's not helping them in any sort of way? I have two main pet peeves, and I think they're pretty pretty small. One would be just pitching things that aren't relevant. I think it's very rarely, but there are some times that I get pitches and I can just immediately tell that they haven't even spent like five minutes looking through our content before sending this to me. Um, and I just feel like, <laughs> everyone's time (laughs) so if something like mentions something that I like that a lot of PRs do I guess to go along with the pet peeve is when people will say like hey I saw this story and I think you've done that before too Jackie where you say like hey I saw the story on ThinkLink yeah make a comment about it and then lead into your research and then I like that really makes me connected then because I'm like okay at least I know even if I can't use it what I'm about to read is relevant exactly that's the main pet peeve I have and then the second one would just be immediately pitching things after a rejection I just had one person that I ended up having to ask them to stop sending me things altogether whoa oh my gosh (laughs) juicy yeah it was just it was really awkward because first they came back with one story that well they had the first issue too what they pitched me wasn't relevant I rejected it. They sent me something else that wasn't relevant. I rejected that. And then they sent me a slew of story ideas. Oh, no. (laughs) List of them. Um, And so I just had to say, like, I'm really sorry. (laughs) Can you just please stop? (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of you for saying that, though. Yeah, you got to do what you got to (laughs) do. Yeah, it's the only time something like that's ever come up. So it's just, I wouldn't just immediately send more ideas. I think the timeliness is important you know like if and that too I think maybe if they'd even just taken more time to make sure the ideas were relevant it would have worked out fine but because they were (laughs) immediately responding it just did not it did not help the situation it was like in the same thread yeah all in one day (laughs) desperate all in one day geez yeah like oh my gosh yeah (laughs) that's kind of funny (laughs) Uh, So on the flip side, let's talk about PRs who actually do a good job and build genuine relationships. Uh, What are the best ways that a PR can build genuine relationships with you? Well, I think we touched on a little bit. So just connecting the agency, you know, um, making sure that you are um, knowledgeable about the uh, brand that you're pitching to, uh, have an understanding of their voice and the content that they use. 
something else that I like too is sometimes people will include an anecdote. So um, I think a while back I wrote a story on best dates to retire to and someone had some retirement research, but they led in with a story about their parents moving to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget it because I just thought it was so funny um, <laughs> and just very personable too, that they were just telling me this personal story and we don't really have any relationship to each other whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but it really stood out. Those would be my two main favorite things that PRs do. Did you ever go to any events pre-COVID or anything like that? PR events? Um, or just like any sort of like industry stuff where you uh, might run into a PR person? No, actually, no. Um, uh, our other team, Best Money Moves, normally goes to most conferences. So I'm normally staying put. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I would I'm- do the same. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. So now we're on to the shout out part of our show, one of our favorite parts. We like to basically give attention and praise to PRs in the industry that are doing it right. And so Liz, is there a single or more than one, whatever, it's up to you, you can name as many or as few as possible, any PR professionals that you think exemplify what it means to be a good PR person? Um, yeah. Okay. So I think I'd like to go, I'd like to give a shout out to, what's her name? To Colleen Reed at Fractal. Um, she's the one that sent me the story about the, about her family moving to Florida for retirement. Um, and I think even though we don't have a personal relationship, that just made me feel like we do. So now anytime she pops up in my inbox, I just think of that story and it makes me very happy. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I would also say then, Jackie, you would be another person that I would like to shout out because I, you're the only other peer that I can think of that I have developed, a, you know, a good relationship with where I see your name and I'm familiar with it and I know you're going to have valuable information with me. Oh, so, that's yeah. really sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, I have something I'm going to send you after this call. I, I sparked interest <laughs> when you, we were talking, but I don't know if it's going to be totally relevant, but we'll see. We'll see. It'll yeah. go in the dark if it isn't. <laughs> there you go. Love it. Basically, the only other question we have for you, Liz, and you can take it or leave it. It's really, if, you know, to give you one last chance to say anything else. But do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? No, I guess just bringing it back to, you know, just making sure that things are relevant and personable. Um, Love it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Liz, for taking the time out of your day to do this interview with us. I think it was super valuable and I learned a lot. Me too. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Jacqueline and Britt. It's been so nice talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, likewise. Thanks for listening to another episode of We Earn Media. If you tune in often, Jackie and I would love for you to leave us a review. We're always trying to improve, and it's so helpful to know what our listeners are finding most useful about this podcast. Until next time.